Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio. You know, every third Thursday, we get to chat with Lee Brovadani, and she is known as the Trust Architect. She's a speaker, a workshop facilitator on trust, and recognized as a top thought leader on trust by the organization Trust Across America. She's also the author of two awesome books that you're going to want to have. They're called, first one is, Trust Me, Restore Belief and Confidence in an Uncertain World. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like we've got an uncertain world lately. And she's also the author of Trusted Secret Lessons from an Inspired Leader. You can go to her website, thetrustarchitect.biz. Well, right now it's the season of change. Fall equinox is here, knocking on our door, saying that you know leaves are changing uh, from green to browns and reds. It's awesome. Uh, so today we're going to look at change and trust. Um, really, because a lot of times when change that means something is new and different, um, that can create a little bit of anxiety because it's not the same old, same old. So in business, that's a big deal. Just like artificial intelligence is. Um, driving everyone a little nuts lately. <laughs> so welcome back, Lee. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. There's been a lot of changes in my life. So this is just perfect timing for talking about trust and change because there's, yeah, you know, we think it's just something that happens, but there's a lot of science to mm-hmm. be able to continue trust mm-hmm. going through change. So and I'm trust- we get to talk about this. The one thing we can really trust in life is that there is always change. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. Nancy says to me, you know, you're hitting that midlife thing. Trust me, you're going to feel change. <laughs> so just kidding. I had to get at you know, not, not no. to you that you're going through change and you need to be treated gently. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everybody be nice, be kind. Well, yeah. and that's the truth. Actually, when people are going through change, um, to be nice because there, I think your anxiety goes up and in a company culture, a company culture, like suddenly that could mean job loss. And yeah. AI is really an excellent example. Look at this strike in Hollywood. Um, Holy I mean, God, it's a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, even Drew Barrymore is getting in trouble and she's supposed to be the nice girl next door. You know? Well, yeah. I haven't heard about that. That's, that's yeah, good. Cause she wanted to read reinstate her show to air without the writers and um during the writer strike and then um, she got a lot of backlash and now now she's like no no i'm not going to do it and but it's kind of anybody who's trying to like ignore the writers thing because it, it there's a lot of actors uh fran drescher who stood up and said hey you know what yeah and i think about it um i was talking to an author yesterday and she's a travel writer um elaine masters i can chat chat about her and um, she was talking about writing travel memoirs and writing her memoir from all her world travels. And I thought, that's the one of those things that you can do to go against AI, because how can someone write your personal story? <laughs> you know? All the memories. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. nerd out on everybody for a minute, because this is from when I used to study, um, when I studied a lot of stuff about the brain and what I've been told and go ahead and check and make sure I'm right. But change is next to the center of the brain that is a pain receptor. And so a lot of times change is pain. They're so closely 
the parts of the brain almost touch each other. So um, I, I would love to have all of my doctor friends who've got PhDs in, in you know neuropsychology and everything. But change can be painful just because of the way our brain operates. And and so what you want to do is you want to move it to an area that actually enjoys solving problems, which is the prefrontal cortex. So that's as much nerdy stuff. as No, I like it. Yeah, well, pain is that um, we've had um, change specialists on our show and they talk about that. Like no matter what, it's painful because you're you're disrupting everything in your body, in your psyche. Um, and then for us, like change, like Nancy and I traveling the country, if we were to settle down, that would be like a, like, oh, cause we're living in change yes. every, every day. Right. So, so there's a, there's a thing there where if we stop doing that because that's become our comfort zone. Yeah. It's comfort zone. As soon as you move it to a problem to solve, it's moving to a different part of the brain. And so now, oh, all so um, it's the same reason why, you know, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who worked for an organization and they, that all of the executives doubled the price of the membership for this organ, for, for the membership organization. Mm-hmm. And then they presented it and they had worked through all the problems. Here's why we have to do it. This is what it's going to cost. This is the benefits from it. And they, they went through the whole thing. So by the time they presented it, they felt really comfortable and they had all the reasons why. And then when they presented it to the members, the rest of the members, everybody's going, whoa, wait, you want to increase it by hundreds of dollars? Mm. And finally, my friend stood up and said, listen, you've been working on this for five months and you're comfortable with it. You just threw it at us give us time to process the change. Mm. And so if you are, if you want people to trust you, that same thing applies. If you're, it doesn't matter if you're changing offices and you're saying, well, we've got these crappy old offices and we're changing it to these beautiful, bright new offices. People might say, yeah, but where they are right now, it's a 10 minute drive and I can get there in 10 minutes. And yeah, it's crappy, but I can run home for lunch. And now you're moving to this new office and it's an hour from my home. And I have to pay for parking. And I have to pay, you know, so, <laughs> so you have to recognize that not everybody's going to be really happy with the changes you make, regardless of how wonderful you think they are. So if you want them to trust you, you have to be willing to step back and talk it out. Let them get to the point where it's now a problem and present it instead of saying, Here's what we're looking at. Let them actually help solve it. Mm. What's this going to mean to you? How is it going to benefit you? What are some of the downsides? What are the benefits from it? You know, and and get mm. them to a point of trust where they feel like they're part of the solution to it. Wow. I love that. I It's such a true thing about letting people digest and actually think it out. It's you know, when people make decisions, they go, you know, let me sleep sleep on it. I actually really agree with that because yeah. you want, you know, in business, whether it's, a, you know, employee and, you know, a, a new job or a business deal, if people aren't feeling good on both sides, then it's not going to work. You know, it, it, you want everyone to have a good, solid foundation. I had a friend who is a um, change specialist who's retired now, and he said, 
when it comes to change, and I may get the figures a little bit wrong, but you'll get the idea. He said, you'll always have the 20%, might be 20 or 30, um, who are going to go with whatever you do because they trust you. They've been on board with you. They Ah. love what you do. So whatever you're doing, they're going to be on board. Then you're going to have the rest of the percent, the 100%, divided in half, where half are going to be, either way, you know, if you give me more information, I'm there. Then you're going to have this automatic bunch of people that no matter what you do, are going to go against you. So he said the thing to do is focus on the middle people for change. And he did politics, too. So this is, (laughs) well, no, I mean, this is the truth. He goes, you bring in a new idea. A new idea is change every single time. And we thrive on ideas, right? Yeah. Would it be beneficial for me? Like, I talk about my five tenets of trust. Yes. Okay. I think we should go there. Go over those. Those are the foundation. Yeah. So my tenets of trust, I'll start with the letter C. And the first one is caring. Mm. So I will trust you more if I believe that you genuinely care about me. And an organization can show care in a lot of different ways by being, you know, um, aware of what their customers' problems and concerns are. Care from, if, if I have a boss, care might mean something like when when I go into their office, they'll say, okay, I'm not going to take any calls for a minute and they'll turn their phone off, put their phone down and spend complete focus Mm -hmm. on me. That's that's an example of care. So you need, the person needs to decide what does care look like to to, to me? And they have to be able to communicate that. But we'll put that at the end. So caring, the next one is commitment. Mm. Doing what you say you'll do long after the time you first said you'd do it. So commitment a lot of times people will say well I'm, I'm committed to doing this but that can be at the start commitment means continuing and if you have to change your commitment you let people know again mm-hmm. communication so consistency being able to do the be consistent in in what the work that you do or consistent with your actions with your words so lying is an example of consistency. And we always talk about if someone lies, we won't trust them. Well, that's not true. Think of the politicians that people still seem to trust that are big, fat liars. So (laughs) consistency means doing what you say you'll do Mm -hmm. and um, being consistent with your words and deeds. When I've worked as an HR manager and I have someone who does brilliant work one day and it's crap the next, then I want to find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons why we have trouble trusting somebody who has an addiction. Mm. Not consistent. And that has yeah. a lot to do with it. So if I'm an if I'm a leader and I ha- I see that kind of behavior then I'm going to investigate a little bit more and see if there is either a mental health issue or if there's an addictions issue. Mm. And a program to help, you know, hopefully, hopefully a program. Yeah. Yeah, And then, and then competence. Can people actually do what they say they do? I want, I like for me, I absolutely want to make sure that if I'm going to a medical practitioner, a doctor, whatever, that they have the competence, mm. got the training, that they've got the skill. Like, I don't want someone who's almost a doctor, but too, I, I laugh about that because too often 
I see people taking medical advice from people who didn't pass their biology class over a qualified, competent medical doctor. Oh, yeah. People that self-diagnose themselves on Google. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they'll, read, they'll, they'll watch this stupid video of a guy with a backwards baseball cap sitting in his car giving medical advice. I mean, come on. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, the competence is good. I love the fact that you keep bringing in communication on it all too, because I think that is that is also something that maybe as we look at our country with distrust and um, even yeah. like this AI thing with the writers, and I, I'm just using that because that's very relevant today. Um, that communication, it's interesting because we're in an era where communication is tenfold compared to when we used to have to send a letter with the Pony Express. I mean, look what the change is in, in less than 200 years. Oh, about 200 years, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's kind of, I think it is the the one that supports all of the others. So caring, commitment, consistency, competence, and definitely communication. Mm-hmm. And communication, not just with the words you use, but in your actions, like we communicate um, Moravian talked about the, the three the three sides of communication, which is um, visual, vocal, and verbal. So it's mm. how, if I'm talking, but this is just in face to face communication. If I'm talking to you and I am having this close communication, I go, "Of course, I care about you," and I'm doing this. Then visually, what I am mm-hmm. saying is completely different from the words that I'm using. So in face-to-face communication, then um, I think it's like 87% of what we are communicating is visual. Mm-hmm. But that's only in face-to-face. So when we are when we are just texting, we don't yeah. get the person's vocal tones. We don't get the visual. So all of it is just in the words we use. Yeah. And then, if we're except talking- for emoji faces, and and sometimes I don't know what half the emojis mean. And if I send an eggplant, I really didn't mean it that way. I just had to go there <laughs> just for fun. Sorry, emoji, which I I know people who thought it was a Hershey's kiss. No, it's not. It's a shabuki. You know, so they've done like little poopy emojis. And yeah. Like, Why did the person? And it's like you, you know that's poop. No, it's a Hershey's kiss. No, it's not. Yeah. So you have to be able to communicate effectively. So all of that together, caring, commitment, consistency, competence, and communication, you look at how they combine and it's how we trust. Mm -hmm. So in this era of all this communication we have, like you're talking about texting, right? like, you know, Nancy has this aversion to phones, like that's it, you know, I want to communicate or email where we can, but even that when there's exclamation points um, or caps, right? That tells you, uh-oh, aware, aware. So we kind of go into our survival. Yeah. yeah, survival techniques. Now, when Nancy and I communicate, a lot of times I'll be doing caps because we're doing production work and it's just quicker and easier for me. And she knows that. She's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, dude, I'm just being lazy. Okay, let's get going. You know, it's fine. It's 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 just effectiveness, not necessarily laziness, but... And but that's a communication. We check in with each other, and you have to. Um, when a company decides, okay, there's all facets of a business and and change, right? So when we think about maybe we're going to get rid of this department because yeah. it no longer serves, which 
again, is happening everywhere, right? I mean, even the communication companies are having problems with communication. Look at Facebook. Oh, look at Twitter. X marks the spot. Look at all of these, you know, so I'm looking at all of this going, we're kind of in this wonky place. And yet we have every communication tool. We can Zoom. We can do all these things, FaceTime. Yet maybe that's why politically we have so much drama is the communication isn't good enough. Instead of all these hate ads and all of that, maybe people could actually have a decent conversation. I don't know, but I, maybe we shouldn't get into politics, but that's a business. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But in, let's go to back to a department closing. Right. That makes sense because it affects the customers who may want something from that section of the company that they've relied on for years. Um, then also the, the, the actual employees, that's a change. Maybe it results in moving to a different department, having to change their skills or go find a new job. So all of that is unsettling, um, but mostly I think for the employees. So yeah. communication, like it's better to not, well, everyone's different. There's that manager style of, you know, you're all out and <laughs> starting over too. Honestly, I, I worked in HR for a number of years. So I I, I talked to managers and, and I trained managers and they, they've said to me, um, I was I was told that I was not allowed to say anything to any of my employees. So some people, you know, and there was one instance where an employee came up to them before Christmas and said, you know, I'm, I'm hearing all this talk. Am I going to have a job? Mm. And the the manager said, oh, yeah, everything's fine, because he was told he wasn't allowed to say anything. And then in like shortly after Christmas, everybody was laid off. And this employee went to him and said, you're a piece of scum. Like, why wouldn't you tell me? Like I went out and spent more money than I would have because I was told that I, I was certain I had a job. And he said, I wasn't allowed to. And I said, well, I, I, it's easier to look back, but for, if it ever happens again, you can say to the person, well, it looks like you have some concerns. Yeah. I absolutely um, will tell you as much as I can tell you when I'm allowed to, but at this point, there's nothing I can tell you. But I would say that if, if you're hearing things, then you need to go with what you feel at this time. Like there's all kinds of different ways to tell them what you can tell them. And that was one of the the, the things that I learned from some of the top trust leaders mm. is that when you're communicating, you can, if you're, if you can't tell them things, then tell them what you can tell them. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you can say to them, there's change happening. As soon as I'm able to give you more information, I will tell you right away. You need to do what you feel is right at this time. And that's as much as I can tell you. And I would, if, if that was, I would have gone and found another job. Well, and, and that was what they didn't want people to do. And, or they could say, you know, they could even say, oh, that's above my pay grade, man. I can't, I, I can't tell you what the, the senior people um, are going to be talking about. Even saying something like that would have been better than saying everything. Oh, yeah. But to me, I think when you hear that, it's like, okay, there is, it's confirming it. And it gives people a place of being able to go, okay, 
you're still getting not getting the information you want that gives you a place to make decisions like okay yeah. take action if you're not comfortable even not knowing stuff yeah right if you're comfortable and sometimes a company really can't let everybody know and they, they can't, can't. It's, it's going to affect their stock prices it's going to affect you know getting work done and they've got maybe a big project that they have to finish it's not like it's this easy decision to make so change mm-hmm. is you know trust and change are really difficult how do you manage trust in the midst of change yeah yeah and so I, i'm proactive though to me i'd probably not be able to sit there i would just go okay i'm feeling change do i actually want to be in this company anyway you know what i mean it would make me stop and reevaluate where i'm at you know or say i love this company i'm going to stay here yep but i'm going to get my resume Yep. you know exactly which is yeah. not a bad thing to do yeah you should always do it you know yeah. and um i know change is really good and sometimes getting a new job or career like to me i say all that but i'm i mean i've done it i had to do that a, a few times and i just i i don't know i think nancy and I are so used to working for ourselves but as businesses we as our company we've had to go through serious change serious change i mean going from a print magazine Nancy, I mean, when she started a magazine in South Africa, we were still typesetting and pasting, cut and paste. You got to think how long we've been in this industry where when we needed a computer fix, they had to fly someone from Joburg to Port Elizabeth in South Africa to come and fix it. That's how ancient we are. So when she says midlife change, she means it. But, but that's that's the thing um, in business, whether you're you know a huge stockholding public company all the way down to a small business. You're going to have to deal with change. I remember restaurant clients going through suddenly having to go digital, like, you know, hey, posi touch on, on, you know, how people pay. Now people just pay with here's my Apple pay and all of that. And yeah. some companies not being able to do it. Some who said, I'm not taking credit cards cash only and losing a ton of business by doing that. They lost. People would come into a tourist town. If it's cash only, I'm not doing it. You know, and and. As as business people, a lot of times we won't because we know where our, it's easier to do our write-offs if everything's in a, on a specific card or whatever. So it doesn't mean we won't go. But you, you see what I mean? There's these ways, um, those companies that didn't make changes with what you've got to flow with the tide. And if you're going to keep going against it, eventually you're you're barking up the wrong tree and it gets annoying to yourself. You hurt. It hurts to go against the grain, yet you're still allowed to rise up above the grain. You know what I mean? You're allowed to be the change maker too. And that it, makes it sense. doesn't matter even if it's a, a personal thing. Like we used to say cash is king. It no longer is. No. Now there's Venmo. Now there's e, like e-transfers and everything. So even for Bitcoins. something. Bitcoins. Like- there's Bitcoinage. Dude, that's yeah. a whole other I, weird change. Yeah, I don't I, want I, to embrace. Okay, yeah. that's a change that I haven't embraced yet. But No, me neither. Even when someone says to me, um, you know, like I charge, I I bought tickets for a raffle for a charity. And I said, I don't have any cash on me. And they went, oh, that's not a problem. We take Venmo. So you had to have your phone and do it, which I think I've lost, by the way. If anyone finds my phone, let me know. (laughs) But you could, I just went and. You know, they had the barcode. I could do the QR code. And then I did pay. It was like a minute. 
and I was able to buy raffle tickets for a charity. I mean, change that is even five years ago. Oh, during COVID, look at the changes businesses had to make during COVID. And now they're saying it's back. And I know a bunch of people are going through that right now and healing. And I'm like, oh, no. Um, You know, and I remember going, you know, okay, botanical gardens being open. But then they started making it where you could go. I mean, because, you know, Nancy and I were traveling full time during this whole pandemic. And it was no one was on the road. It was great. But until you got the botanical gardens and some of these attractions got in, like they had to shift quickly, like restaurants had to shift quickly to delivery. And sometimes you could get curbside cocktails. And so new laws for alcohol were made in some places that really needed them. (laughs) So there was these positives, but they started staggering and making reservation systems so that there weren't too many people in a place, which made the experience so much better when you go to a botanical garden you've got 20 people looking at one plant that's not a fun experience and so all of a sudden this quality over quantity kind of happened which is a financial eh to everybody at the beginning but it becomes this better experience our national park service has really had to because so many people started flooding our parks and it was too much for the land so now they have a reservation system for a lot of parks and shuttles and things like that, depending on the parks. And people got all way and way about it. But I'm like, dude, you, you won't have a park. Like, we need to have some management, you know, in there. So there's all these changes. And as frustrating and as hard as it is, a lot of times they're betterment. And to me, it's like tackle it. When you said, like, here, you can start taking action. Start making, like, do your resume. That is a good time to do it. So you feel less stress because you're starting to do something if you start to to work that towards something it down to this part of the brain that's it i love that we started with that because when you sit in the stress level that's not good for anybody it's not good for your health you don't it the worrying thing will just kill you they say you know that get get on it just start making a plan yeah yeah you know you know and and honestly you and I talked about this at the beginning of of our conversation that change is like the one thing that we know we can rely on is that change is going to we're changing constantly and it seems to be speeding up you know before yeah when something changed it might be a year or two years before the whole change happened now it's like within weeks unless it's politicians they sit in their chair for as long as they can oopsie did i say that i did but it's true Ah, it's true the facts are there i that's i'm not saying anything more on that but it's true because i'm your guest the only thing i'm going to say is can't we find someone besides old farts yeah and people that drool and can't talk (laughs) you know sorry i i mean and i'm not being ageist or rude but this is it's well, wrong because because old, so goes to go. what you're saying is progression is happening fast. I mean, we have a progressive political party just for that. You know, whether you like them or not, it's it's there for a reason. And we have all this progression. And if if our politicians are not progressing in in any manner, yeah. then you know, there's politicians in there that don't understand the internet. And I'm going, you can't do that. You cannot yeah. have that in this era. You need to understand the internet. You need to understand, they need to understand the Bitcoin thing. You know, we may not want to, but 
they sure as heck better understand yeah, all of that. Absolutely. And and that's one of the things that's that's changing really rapidly is all of the things that are available, you know, like I try and keep up. And there's constantly someone will say, well, do you know about this? It's like, no. And do I want to? And you you have the option to choose not to as well. But but change is there. I mean, that's why I think nature is a good lesson and and business owners and, and everyone in business, career, you know, look at nature. It's always changing with what's going on there's seasons you know there's climate change hello and a lot of businesses have to change because of that so there's a lot of change going on and pick your change and run with it you know and every season you know like there, there's a reason mm-hmm. i'm sure there's probably a t-shirt with the the whole thing um there's a reason for the seasons yeah and if there isn't a t-shirt, there should be one because every season brings us something that we need. So when the fall, when all of the leaves are dying, but they turn this brilliant orange and gold and, and yellow, they fall to the ground and then they become mulch, which which actually feeds the soil. Mm-hmm. And then winter, which allows everything to rest. Mm-hmm. And then spring, which starts to allow the regrowth and summer when we have the bounties. So like every season is important. And then mm-hmm. right now I'm living in Savannah, so it feels like there's only two seasons. But, you know, <laughs> it's something. There is all of the seasons. They just aren't always equal. But there's like all of that is constant change. And we can we we know that the change is going to happen or hopefully. Yeah. Well, it changes as it is. And it's and that's where preparedness comes to to mind, too. People, you know, I mean, every day I'm getting like 20 press releases about preparedness, whether it's in a business or personal because of wildfires, because of climate change, because of all these different things like government shutdowns and like how's a business. So when you hear government shutdowns lurking and maybe your business you know, depends on tourism because of parks or whatever it is, however it affects your business, have a backup plan, you know, have the ABC plan, not have that preparedness. So know that there's change. And as an employee, always know it. I think your resume should, if you're depending, you cannot depend on your company always being there. You can't because they get bought out all the time. We're seeing that now all these startups are wonderful. We all buy into them. And then like, boom, They've been sold to somebody else that goes like, screw you. I'm not doing it this way. So it's every issue is eating up all the little small companies. Oh, yeah. that. Oh, don't start me on that. That's one big thing that's going on in this world right now. Every pretty much we're, we're going to get to a point right now that there's no hosting company for your websites. It's all under one group and it's happening very, very quickly. Everybody go read <laughs> the hosting company is it's all changing. And so one day we're going to wake up and someone's controlling the internet. Oh, wow. It's happening. It's happening in our military. It's happening like in internet and military systems. Uh, Elon Musk is one of them. Anyway, who, you know, he's controlling Ukraine uh, internet and satellites. So let's, anyway, that's a whole other conversation, but it is about being prepared and keeping, you know, Change to me is exciting because it means, oh, it's like a new project, you know, and we've created a business where we get to change all the time and add things and 
we are all, when there's something new, we look at it. Is it time to do that change? Should we watch it, try it out here first? See, just because there's a change doesn't mean you always have to go with it. Yeah. But um, be prepared for it. Watch and be aware. I think awareness and mindfulness goes with it. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I I remember um, speaking at a conference and telling them, you know, I asked how many people had uh, a plan for disasters that could happen in the company. And it surprised me that a lot of companies didn't. So, you know, like there was, there were companies and this is before, way before we had all the wildfires because of climate change. Mm -hmm. I asked them, so if a disaster happens in your company, are you prepared? And they said, well, no, we'll deal with it. And I went, you should never go into a disaster without knowing exactly how you're going to communicate to your staff. Mm -hmm. You know, like you want to be prepared. You want to, if you want people to trust you, then the time to write a plan on what can go wrong is well before it ever happens. So you say, yes. what do we, what, what happens if um, our communication satellite mm-hmm. goes down? What, how do we, how do we get in touch with everybody? What, what happens if the, the building that everybody's in burnt down? Mm-hmm. How do we let everybody know? Like you should look at disaster preparedness so that people in your company can trust that you know how to deal with change regardless of what it is. You're really, really right about it. We had, um, oh, I, for the life of me, can't remember his name, but he's known as like Dr. Disaster on the show and a few times and he's written some really good books because he's the one who goes in like after 9-11 and basically goes in and says like how did this lead up to this catastrophe he went in he did like heaven's gate when everybody beamed up with their barbiturates and all of that he went into that he's gone in like the oj simpson stuff all of that kind of thing he goes into and he has some basic principles in life one of them i remember he he he's like do a little bit every day, no, be the awareness, but things like he says, mindfulness is everything like make your bed every single day because it's a mindfulness. You're getting your brain. It, it, it's doing that thing you're talking about. You're, you're moving your brain forward, right? You're thinking to that, that portion of your brain. And so he goes, no matter where he is, he can still keep his same routines. Yeah. You know, gives there, you a feeling of comfort too. Yeah, you can rely on yourself. You trust yourself if you've set up your own trust system. So when things go wrong, you don't have to question yourself. Yeah. You don't become an emotional wreck over something that you trust yourself with. You can be emotional and upset or happy, but you know what I mean? It's, um, it doesn't take you down, basically. Yeah. One of my, um, closest friends is an artist and just like has, an amazing um, number of, of pictures that she's done. And because she's living in the interior of British Columbia up in Canada, there's been so many wildfires mm. that they have their car prepared. So if they have to take off immediately, she has a lot of her pictures that are ready to go. She knows exactly how long it will take to get them loaded up into the tr- mm-hmm. into the car. They have their their dog, Gus, and he has 
like they have a whole pack for him too, so that if if they have to go, they can grab Gus, his food, and their food, and then you know, like all of their their passports, mm-hmm. any of their really important documents. They know exactly where they are, so that they, at a moment's notice, can hop in the car and go to safety. Yeah. So they're prepared. And they can trust that they'll be okay because they're not running around and saying, well, what do I need? What do I need? Yeah, because it's already scary. And it's afterwards that all the, it really, Nancy and I were in a number of wildfires. We evacuated seven times in a year and a half and major stuff. And um, so we know about packing out and being prepared. And this was pre, I mean, I think cell phones were only now coming onto the market at that point. And um, we were all living in mountain town and had even, uh, shovels in the car everybody was driving around with shovel because there was arsonists cop, wild wildfire copycats trying to basically burn the town down it was a scary time oh, and crap. so the, anyway it was a long <laughs> a long year and a half um so you prepare yourself because then you know exactly what to do and nancy and i if we saw something we were one of the first ones to always evacuate because we're like when the last one came it was at that point, the Cedar Fire in San Diego, and that was the largest one at the time. Now, of course, it's been, you know, um, but we already had Nancy's paintings. You know, she's an artist, the same. We had everything packed up. Now we can digitize. I mean, we had the file cabinet. We emptied. It made us clean up. Hey, do we really need these papers? No, we don't. Yeah. So we had systems and it actually made us, you know, that's, we live such simple lives now. Like, let me tell you, the more stuff you have, <laughs> the bigger pain in the butt it is when stuff goes wrong but now like for companies digitize stuff if your computer goes down don't let it be like you've lost everything and it does happen I mean even you know my cell phone died like a couple years what I don't know and and you know I didn't do that one thing and oopsie I've had my oopsies and you still have sometimes yeah I put my phone in my back pocket, which is really dumb when I take um, Bella. So we've got a seven month old puppy who um, there's a reason why only young people should get young puppies. (laughs) So she, I love her. She's got lots of energy and I, I took her out and now I can't find my phone. So I'm kind of going, when was the last time? So same thing. Oh, oh boy! God. Like, where's my phone? And did I drop it when I was walking her? And can I trust that all the information? I know exactly what you're doing. As soon as we, we, yeah, I know it's, but it, but we have tools now that we didn't yeah. have. And businesses have them to have preparation. And even California now has um, employment laws up uh, to be signed. They might have been done. I think it's by October. Uh, Gavin Newsom signs in um, that if there's a disaster like earthquakes, fires, all of that kind of thing, tsunamis, they get them over there. Um, employees can take time off to help somebody, even in their family, if they need to, because of disasters and climate change. So there's those kind of changes that are always happening, like in states like California, the employment laws are like huge and always growing, but that's things to be prepared for, you know, be prepared for minimum wage to be increased on you. If you're going to own a business, be prepared for those things. And um, if you don't want to do it, then don't have employees, I suppose, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so Lisa, you know, the changes that I'm making in my, we want, we want people to know. 
I know. Yeah. And by the way, sorry for my sniffles. It's the season of change and there's allergies going on. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Just one big sneeze. Yeah, right. No, I don't think anybody needs to see that. But, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Tell people your change because, you know, I'm I'm just giving the wind of change here. Um, I know we've touched on it on shows before, but uh, yeah. tell everybody what's going on because it is the season. Yes. So during COVID um, and there was all kinds of things that were happening, um, I, I realized that, you know, part of it was my mother um, died during COVID and I wasn't able to go up and see her. And so I, I and there was some things happening in my personal life. And I thought, you know, if someone can help people come into the world, is there someone who can help with people leaving the world and help the family? And I thought, well, if there's a um, a birth doula, I wonder if there is a death doula. And I went, well, that's stupid. Of course there isn't. But yes, there is. Mm. So one of the things that I know, um, I have been good at, I don't know, if, but but is helping people through change and trusting and, and giving comfort to people who are mm-hmm. dying. So I did a full year of training as an end of life doula. Mm. So helping people like, what is it? How does it that they want to feel? What do they want to be thinking? What are the things? What are the practical things? Who do they want in the room? What music do they want? Do they want flowers around? Everything that is involved with an end of life. And then helping people who are the family deal with someone that they love making that final journey mm-hmm. all about trust and change. So this is yeah. kind of, perfect. so I am going to, um, the, I'm, people are interested. It's, um, soul journey doula.com. And it's all about helping people mm-hmm. that final change and trusting that everything can be as good as it possibly can be. And I learned so much about how to bring comfort and how to actually deal with things that can't be explained. And and I'll tell you that some of the things that um, I witnessed and heard and talked to people about, you go, honestly, guys, our, our journey doesn't end just at that point that we quit breathing. Yeah. Other people are still here and the journey that they take because you've been on this planet is pretty miraculous. And, Mm. and, you know, I've talked to people who have seen um, things with a person who is dying. I I think I told you that I'm doing a a, a project right now. It's called Death Dialogues. And it's talking to people who are still here and their experience with a loved one who dies Mm. to the person who's dying and having their perception and sometimes it's like oh my god I just wish those people my family members I know they love me but I wish they'd shut up (laughs) you know there's going to be funny things and so that's going to be something you're taking to stage right I am I'm gonna I'm I'm just writing it right now and I'm writing the death dialogues but that's one part of it part of it as an end-of-life doula is helping the family set up so that when the person dies, they have everything they need. Mm. 
and the family can kind of rest knowing that there's things like there, there's no rules around it. So if the person wants to be outside in a bed and die underneath the stars, then let's make that happen. And yeah. what has to happen? What are all the practical things that have to happen? Yeah, no, I love it. I think it's, and I think your background in trust is a huge part. It plays a huge role in it. Yeah. And so people know that you'll still do workshops on trust and things like that, or they asked me, I'm not going to be promoting it. So, but yes, absolutely. So I'm still, I still have people who have come to me for coaching and okay. I still have the training programs that I wrote because I did it for 10 years and I love the whole thing of trust, right. but it's changed. This is what happens. Mm-hmm. And my gray hair gives me a lot more permission to work with people and give them that feeling that there was someone who has some wisdom around change and death and dying in comfort. That's, I think it's exciting, you it know, is. and um, I know next, next month we'll be talking more about it. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's October, so it's the perfect time. That sounds crazy, but, but um, everyone, again, the trustarchitect.biz is Lee's website. And from there you can get her books. And that's something that, you know, is evergreen. Uh, people can get your books too. And uh, souljourneydoula.com is the website. And we'll be back with Lee next uh, third Thursday in October. So Thank you, Lee. It's been a fun conversation. I think we did full circle and, you know, and we put some politics in there. Good. good. (laughs) All right. Everyone, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you listening.